Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the latest edition of the Manchester is Red podcast. Filmed audio only and on location today. Myself, Tyron Marshall, hosting with Samuel Luckhurst. We are in a uh, bar slash restaurant near Old Trafford. Uh, it doesn't need any more publicity, so I'm sure you can guess which one it is. Uh, we've just been to the Manchester United press conference at Carrington and their open training, and we are heading to Bayern Munich's press conference and training shortly. Bayern Munich holding their press conference at the amenable time of 5.15pm, a lesson for United there when when they're going away in Europe and hold theirs at 8pm. Um, but that's maybe an issue for another day. There's plenty more to talk about Aside from that, uh, first of all, let's do the introduction. Samuel, how are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Not bad. The the, the latest inquest has, has been filed, and uh, it, it does did, did help that we were able to get to Carrington early today and, and, and try and move on from it. But of course, it's uh, it, it's it's United this season. We've we've become so used to it. The last time they played Bayern, they were reeling from a home defeat where the opposition scored three goals, and this time we're previewing another. By Munich Man United game where United have lost at Old Trafford with the visiting team scoring three goals so that, that that really does I suppose the fact that that's bookended their Champions League campaign gives you a good idea of how their season's panned out yeah I think five opposition teams have now scored three goals at Old Trafford this season which tells yeah. you all you need to know really it's a difficult one for the inquests uh, today because there's probably two more to follow this week by by Monday they may well be lifeless mm. uh, the way things are going but we'll start off with looking back at Bournemouth Ten years to the day since David Moyes, the iconic Manchester United tweet about David Moyes saying they need to improve in several areas, including creating chances, passing and defending. It showed that they need to improve in several areas, including creating chances, passing and defending, didn't it? I mean, it, it was a, it was it was a historically bad day. Yeah, it was an apt way to commemorate that tweet. Um, I think the most damning thing you could possibly say about them is that watching Bournemouth under a coach who came in in the summer there was a bit of a, a cloud over that appointment given how well Gary O'Neill had done I think there were some stories maybe a couple of months ago about Iriola where you where one would construe it as the the cliched dreaded vote of confidence because they hadn't won they struggled to win any of their their, their first few games 
but they were they were terrific Bournemouth uh, it's, it's very easy and of course we obviously have to be critical of United because we're focusing on United but Bournemouth were absolutely terrific almost from, from kick off but when you're when you're Man United and you're losing 3-0 at home to Bournemouth yeah. it's indefensible and someone at the club said that to us as well today they they noted the um, the negative commentary and the negative coverage in the wake of that, and they know that there is absolutely no point trying to take umbrage with any of it because pretty much all of it will will have been warranted. Um, it was it was a really st- strange start to the game that Bournemouth had kick off and they booted the ball straight out for a United goal kick, and from that goal kick, United struggled to play the ball out from the back. There was a back pass from Luke Shaw, I think, to Anana. Yep. Slanky intercepted it. He, he made a bit of a meal of it going down. And then a few minutes later, when United were in an identical area and Fernandez plays not a great pass to McTominay, McTominay's caught on his heels, Lewis Cook is straight on to it, gets the cross in, bomb the score. You go back to that earlier passage of play and you think that is actually more significant than it perhaps should have been at the time. And Ten Hag said it repeatedly post-match how sloppy they were starting that game and it was the polar opposite how they started against Chelsea. I think on Saturday they had three attempts on target. It said, uh, the, the stats said they probably had that many in the first 10 minutes against Chelsea. They started like a house on fire in that game. They were uh, they were right on it. But, you know, we, we didn't, certainly speaking about it on, on the Friday podcast, when United win a game, you're conscious that, you know, you, you've got to be, pos- yeah, un- unless it's a pretty tepid win or, or a turgid win, you're, you want to you want to focus on the positives. That's the way it goes. And, and Gary Neville said this. He said, looking at the wins against Everton and, Ch- and Chelsea, you don't want to be too, you don't want to be perceived as being negative yeah. after a victory. But we did all feel after those games that there were issues about those wins. Everton, the issue was the first half. United got pummeled, but somehow didn't concede, and they were one 0 up through a wonder goal. Second half, game management excellent, clinical. Against Chelsea, they did dominate Chelsea. Absolutely, they were by far and away the better team. The scoreline did flatter Chelsea, but also Chelsea had four or five glaring to good to great chances. And when you're conceding that many chances to a team as chaotic and disjointed as Chelsea, who are probably the worst team we've played here this season, and Bournemouth have been one of the best teams we've played here this season, you are asking for trouble unless you address that. And there was a big reason why they played as well as they did against Chelsea and that's because some of the demotivated players were dropped and they had motivated players in the team and it really starts from the front when you've got Anthony Marshall in the, on the team sheet as starting the Bournemouth defenders will have looked at that and thought great yeah. this is you know, this is exactly what we want and it was really I, I, look, I'm sure we'll get into it I get why Ten Hag is doing it to an extent but Marshall checked out United mentally a long, long time ago, and he, he looked. I hesitate to say he looked broken when he came off because it's happened to him already this season, being cheered off um, after he's been substituted. But why Ten Hag is going down that road is is beyond me. I, I know he doesn't want to overtax Hoyland, and I know Hoyland's not scored in the Premier League, but he gives you presence. He presses the team play better when Hoyland's in the team whether he scores or doesn't score and unfortunately for him when he has scored this season they've always lost but you can't you certainly can't hold that against him and really although it was, it was two changes wasn't it because I think Reguilon was the only other one that came in and, and that was in force where, where Lindelof was injured and okay Varane you'd say you'd start Varane over Reguilon and keep Shaw at left back 
that was that was questionable. And Reguilón is he's, he's eager, he's energetic, but he's not a good defender, and he's he's a, certainly very gettable. But it's just amazing how two changes, which is not not a great amount of changes, and this time of year rotation has to come into it. In a month, you've got eight games, but those two changes can have such a dramatic effect on the team, and the drop off was was drastic and. When it comes to player rating scores these days, they, they was nowhere near my worst because, unfortunately, watching United this season, these kind of performances and these kind of defeats have become par for the course. So we've all become we've all become used to it. And I think the the, the alarm thing for United is that there, there might be one or two other similar similar defeats, as you alluded to earlier, uh, this month alone, never mind this season. Yeah, I mean, inconsistency was a pretty common word in the press conference today and at the weekend, but... It feels like it's their good performances that surprise you at the moment rather than their bad yeah. ones. You kind of expect yeah. them to play like they did against Bournemouth rather than expect them to play like they did against Chelsea. And you mentioned the start to the game there. I mean, the Chelsea game, within the first 40 seconds, I think, McTominay, Fernandes and Amrabat are all flowing into tackles. They mm. pressed Chelsea aggressively. They set the tone against Bournemouth. They were sleepwalking. And, you know, I, I said to someone before kickoff against Bournemouth on Saturday that that game against Chelsea set the standards for aggression and intensity that they had to match for the rest of the season they couldn't match it in the very next game and against Chelsea they had a, a, a common cause I guess to rally behind they had a siege mentality mm. which we've been over countless times now we know yeah. what it was yeah. and they played like that they played like they were angry about something like they'd been you know like they'd, something had got them going and then on Saturday they played like nothing had got them going and McTominay said in the press conference today that the reason we're not controlling games is because too often the opposition are more athletic and they're running more than us. I mean, that is inexcusable, isn't it? That they can't, they can't follow those standards of aggression and intensity from one game to the next. And, and he, I mean, he is impeccably placed to comment because normally he is one of the most, I think he's one of the most robust athletes yeah. in the United squad. He does almost always put a shift in. But this season, even he was accused of not running against Bayern Munich. I mean, you can say accused. The, the footage spoke volumes. He, yeah. he, he did stop. He Whether it was a mental thing or whether he was carrying something, nobody knows. But the the footage of it was, was pretty damning. And again, like you know, Ten Hag said today, oh, it's, a, it's a condensed programme. And he alluded to... Aside from Lindelof, other players being doubts, and of course Marshall and, and, and Rashford didn't didn't train. They didn't feature in the open session that we were present for. But other teams are they, they might not be winning every game, but there is a level of intensity or an, a level of intent that they're showing where the supporters accept that. Newcastle got pummeled twice last week against Everton and Tottenham. I know there was a, an exchange one of their fans had with Trippier after the defeat at Bournemouth last month. But looking at Newcastle last week, I don't think anybody's looking at them thinking they're not trying. You know, they, they had opportunities in the games, but they are quite depleted in, in places, and they're having to adjust to a new schedule where they've not been in in the Champions League for for 20 years or whatever it was. You, you can you can forgive that, and also they did turn up against United, which is of course is going to go a long, long way with with Newcastle fans. But with United, I mean, the, the the, the win, draw, lose columns speak for themselves. Eleven wins, eleven defeats. Yeah. I think you know in, inconsistency. It's, it's it can be quite a tame word because you could be in the top four and still inconsistent. I don't think it quite does United justice because they have. I mean, Simon Peach said to Ten Hag at his post-match press conference, it felt like a new low, and, and Ten Hag didn't take umbrage with it. I think in terms of the defeats this season, they, they probably have played 
worse collectively than that but this as a scoreline it, it, it was the worst because it's Bournemouth Bournemouth have never won at Old Trafford before you look at the Bournemouth team they, they're, they're probably a better squad than a lot of people give them credit for they will stay up this season as well I've no doubt about that I think if anything they're where they've made that change of manager and he's made adjustments to the team they've possibly become more tactically sophisticated because they didn't really lay a glove on United in either game last season whereas in this one uh, 3 nil didn't really do them justice they had op- other opportunities that the, the disallowed fourth goal was very harshly chalked off we all know why but that would not have flattered Bournemouth if they won 4 nil United and the worry when that goal did go in even though it was disallowed from the United perspective is that when you see a scoreline like that as brief as it was on the scoreboard you're starting to wonder is that a scoreline that constitutes a manager's sacking yeah. or is that the start the, is, is that the beginning of the end we had that with Solskjaer you were going week by week is this a defeat that constitutes a sacking yeah. uh, you know, the fact that they are back in that territory already or in danger of it nearing towards it again has to be a worry for the current power brokers and the future power brokers whenever the hell this minority stake is is ratified and the, the structural changes are made so and it was absolutely the worst preparation possible for an absolutely mega week against yeah. you know, two two huge clubs uh, two clubs who United have got very rich histories with an awful lot riding on both of those games as well and this time next week if, if you're a United fan and they've beaten Bayern Munich and Liverpool it, it'll be probably the biggest shock of the, of, of the season um, because go, certainly going into both these games you, you speak to, speaking to Manchester United fans they are there are some that are not, not so much dreading the game against Bayern Munich but the Liverpool game because of their recent form at Anfield that is one to dread and maybe maybe they can a bad result can prompt a reaction as it has done a couple of times this season but that has been overplayed a bit by Ten Hag he's repeatedly stressed the win against Burnley the win against Brentford the win against Fulham they didn't play well in any of those games and the games they have played well in you look at them and you think you know, there, there are a lot of caveats with, with these as we said Chelsea are they're more shambolic than United yeah. this season Everton played well for a half I don't think Liverpool and Bayern Munich are likely to be as forgiving as those clubs no definitely not and it feels like for, for things to actually change here things are going to have to change tactically I feel it was interesting listening in the mix zone to, to a Bournemouth player obviously no United players stopped on Saturday but one of the Bournemouth players was talking about was asked about how they'd exploited United how they'd set up against them and talking about how they throw so many men forward they just leave the centre-backs back the centre-backs don't like being dragged wide so we attack them in the wide areas Iriola talked after the game about how we knew we'd get space on the traditions they attack on the transitions but they attack with so many men you know it feels like it's borderline easy to play against mm. United at the moment and I, I, I just look at them look at them play and I think opposition analysts must be looking at that and saying to their players and to the coaches and Licking managers at other clubs yeah, yeah you are going to love this you are going to like playing against them and if that keeps happening I mean things have it's damning that it feels like they are so easy to work out and so easy to play against they're, they're almost too cavalier at the moment and they're not getting any goals for it either no, well the, the, the goals column is I mean 18 goals in how many Premier League games they've played now 15 maybe 16 but they are the 
they are the lowest scorers in the top 14 in the Premier League. Everton have scored more goals than them this season. Luton Town have only scored two goals, fewer than them this season. But Tomney's goals almost account for a third of United's Premier League goals, and he was someone that they were prepared to sell in the summer, and he's a midfielder. Yeah. However way you look at it, they, they absolutely need a new goal scorer in, in January. But going back to the... The, the, the tactical issues in this team I remember being told a few years ago when they lost after they lost 6-1 against Tottenham the edict to the Tottenham players was uh, the, the two wings were Greenwood and Marsh, uh, not Marshall Rashford and it was Greenwood and Rashford do not like to defend attack them down that side because the full backs will be exposed they did that I can think of at least two just off the top of my head two of the goals coming from wide areas and that's under a different manager that's with quite a different set of players as well I know some are, some are still at the club and some started at the weekend and some were on the bench but it just feels like at the moment it's it's a club that is is irreparable unless there is a drastic change at the top and that person is obviously going to be Sir Jim Ratcliffe and he, he's going to want to exert immense creative control whether he can impose that lower down the food chain remains to be seen but we'll know we've spoken chapter and verse about how driven he is and I think he's already gone on record as saying like the prospect of failing at, at Manchester United is, is too much to bear you, you can't fail in that position so in some ways that's, that's got to be reassuring for the club mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the meantime, I don't think there's a great deal he's going to be able to affect in terms of change this season. Yeah. You're already you're already looking ahead to next season, and look, people at the club are talking about you know using the word salvageable about this season. It's it's not them being. I don't think that's them being doom lords. I think that's being them being you know, realistic because they that is the challenge now. They yeah. realistically they will win at the very most two cup competitions if they were to end up in the Europa League you've got the FA Cup as well um, but we, we all know that what constitutes success it goes beyond a trophy a Manchester United manager's last game in charge was an FA Cup final they won it and he was sacked yeah. two days later um, that's how, how brutal it can be in, in football and, and he was also Dutch and, and, and lasted two seasons so that's the it's a bit of an <laughs> ominous, ominous omen for, for, for Eric Ten Hag but what I suppose what what was quite telling was at full time there were a gaggle of players heading for the tunnel who seemed to be getting specifically booed by those who remained and as Ten Hag approached the tunnel those boos noticeably subsided and made way for polite applause so I think that that does help Ten Hag the match goers are still behind him I think they accept that there are players there who have outstayed their welcome who are not good influences who, who need to be turfed out at the earliest point possible and that they should go ahead of the manager and I completely agree with that when Jim Ratcliffe comes in yeah, cleaning house is going to be absolutely a priority but I wouldn't necessarily say start in the manager's office that said 
things can change extremely quickly and sometimes there are results that leave a manager's position untenable. Absolutely. That's all for the first part of the Manchester Red podcast. We'll be back after the break to look ahead to the buying game. Welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast. Uh, we've both been at Carrington this lunchtime for the United's pre-match press conference. Uh, for once, I guess the playing was more interesting than the manager. Some, some honest stuff about yeah, I mentioned in the first <clears throat> half about his comments about not matching the athleticism and the running of opposition teams. Also interesting at the end when he talked about the, the almost the sacking culture, I guess, that managers have, have paid the price when results have ended up like this recently and how that needs to change. And he, he said it's the player's responsibility, but he also admitted the dressing room has been toxic in the past and yeah. claimed it's not the case at the moment, that a lot of the recent <clears throat> complaints have been misinterpreted. I mean, it was, it was interesting stuff from him, wasn't it? It was, and it also uh, prompted uh, our, our esteemed colleague Neil Custis to start singing Britney Spears' is Toxic from 2004, which is not something I thought I'd ever uh, expect to, to say on a, on a Monday after being at, at Carrington. He, he, I think sometimes when we go into these press conferences, we, we have some educated guesswork as to who the player's going to be, and look, McTominay, along with Maguire, has been one of United's two, two best you know, standout performers this season, two un- unlikely standout performers, and I think some of us thought maybe McTominay, maybe Maguire, Luke Shaw is a dependable talker. McTominay hadn't done an in-person media engagement with the press since uh, Linz in March 2020. We we just worked out, but he, he struck a bullish tone. I think he's he's a good, rep- given the circumstances, he was a good representative for United to put up in the Eastern Academy graduate. He's a boyhood fan. We've seen in the past during bad times for the club the how 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 much it's hit him. I remember was it Huddersfield in the penultimate game of the season under Solskjaer when they knew they, they only drew and it was a dreadful result and it meant that they couldn't qualify for the Champions League and he was sat on his tod on the, the bench after getting showered and in his suit just kinda like think you know, lost in his own thoughts as it dawned on him <clears throat> that United had well and truly failed that season um, and he's, he's spoken well in, in, in defeat before I think under Rangnick at Arsenal he, he was talking about the need for if players don't want to be here they've got to go and that's always going to chime with supporters so I think he was a very good representative for the club to put up today and it was interesting during training as well that I, certainly not since the Ten Hag's first pre-season tour have we been that close to watching United train doing a doing a, a, a ball work session as well sometimes they just run in front of us they're doing yeah. shuttle runs or they're stretching and it's it's mundane you're literally just doing a head count of who's there but today it was actually insightful watching them during these these pressing exercises and it was you know it was, it was quite a buoyant mood as well yeah. a, a cynic might say well they, they've probably done that for effect given the result at the weekend and given some of the uh, you know some of the dissenters in the dressing room uh, who I should stress that they're not the majority it's it's still very much the minority but again at the risk of harking back to last week there were a couple of players absent today and you wonder does that have a bearing on the mood as well uh, and, and the harmony but they, they were in, in good spirits and you know, they I, I, there have been times where we have gone to Carrington and they, the, the mood of the club will not have been particularly great at the time I remember going there in Mourinho's last months and during those keep ball sessions it, it was not as you know, enthusiastic as it was today and 
Mitchell van der Gaag had quite an amusing uh, few words for us when he, he asked the, the communications director, is everyone in today? Referring, obviously, to last week's bands and he was informed they were. And he, he said he didn't. it was fine by him that everyone was in as well. So <laughs> may, maybe he was our defenders all along. But things like that, they, they do... Um, it's, it's nice colour to clean, but it also you know, shows that they, they don't see us as the... Um, is necessarily the enemy or, or, or an e- the evil presence on their premises or, or the vultures hovering overhead so uh, it makes our lives easier if United do well but it's it's an extremely challenging week and Bayern Munich haven't lost a group stage game with Champions League in 39 games going back to September 2017 so it's um, it's it's a it's a daunting Record to, to come up against, and the, the stars really have to align tomorrow night for them to go through to the Champions League. And you know, from our perspective as well, we don't want them in the Europa League, really. Yeah. But you can absolutely see a scenario where you know somehow they do beat Bayern Munich, but they end up in the Europa League, and that that could be history repeating itself. Literally, the only time they've beaten Bayern Munich, other than the of course the utopia of the '99 final was in 2010 and they went out of the Champions League because they went out on away goal difference in that knockout uh, quarter-final tie to Bayern so there's yeah there's an ominous omen there that United could actually beat Bayern Munich for the second time and still go out of the Champions League yeah I mean financially they probably need the Europa League at the bare minimum given how tight things are with with FFP for them I mean Tenard was defiant again in his press conference he often is at the moment um, said we can beat anyone I'm not sure many people are believing that at the moment I mean can they beat Bayern Munich I guess they probably can but even if they do it kind of feels like it needs a borderline closer miracle doesn't it if United are tuning up against Bayern saying Copenhagen and Galatasaray are drawing I mean surely one of them has to win that game rather than draw and both go out it's, it needs such a strange set of circumstances for United to actually progress here yeah, I mean the the game of that group tomorrow night is is in Copenhagen. I mean that that could be an absolute that could be a game of carnage. That because we know what how, what Galatasaray are like. I think the first game between those two teams, Copenhagen were two 0 up in Istanbul. It ended two two. Copenhagen have been involved in some really entertaining games in this group. So if Galatasaray, it absolutely has the potential to be you know, undecided until the the very last second, and it's journalistically it's not great because we're going to be on tenterhooks and unless United are well beaten that's the only scenario where we can have our pieces all filed and yeah. you know, it's it's all boxed off but um, I think you know Bayern's result of the weekend and, and watch some I should add YouTube highlights it wasn't like the whole 90 minutes but it did seem like that there's an element of that 5-1 defeat at Frankfurt been somewhat misleading they did have good chances at good times and then the game seemed to just get away from them and when Bayern are thumped like that it's probably the worst thing that could have happened for United because they're going to be motivated going into this game you look at their squad you, you know most of the names it's not a weakened squad I don't think it's going to be a weakened team last night the team they played against Copenhagen in the previous match day was a strong team. It was maybe a little bit experimental in places, but I think Conrad Lehmer might even have started at right back against United. Yeah, so maybe not not as experimental as it as it looks on paper. And Bayern are a ruthless team. I don't think that they're going to just turn up and think, oh, we'll just go through the motions against Manchester United. I don't think they're built that way as, as footballers or as a team or as 
as, as a club, uh, that would be anathema to them. And they've, they've got a hell of a record against United. Of course, everyone remembers, you think of Manchester United Bayern Munich, everyone, of course, thinks Barcelona 99, that final. But aside from that, Bayern's record against United is, is impeccable. They've only lost the one time. And that was a victory in defeat because they went through on away goals um, that, that evening in, in 2010. It's, it just feels like such... I think most of us would have had a lot more confidence if United, in United had they, of course, won at the weekend, had they not lost as badly as they did. But it feels a long time, and it's, it will only have been last season since United had a big win against a big team where they actually performed. You're maybe going back to Barcelona in yeah. the second yeah. leg. Yeah, um, and it was. Co- I mean, that th- those two ties were absorbing. That was yeah. an occasion that really did live up to the bill. And it was actually probably quite even over the course of of the 180 minutes that they played against each other. But United were unlucky not to win in Camp Nou. Um, they were worthy winners at Old Trafford, yeah. and so you're probably going back. That's, that's ten months now, so that's a that's a long old time. And everybody, I think, a lot of fans have have noticed that since the League Cup final, there has been this gradual drop-off. Yeah. It did start last season, but it was masked by finishing third and getting to an FA Cup final. And unfortunately for United this season, the, the drop-off has... I mean, it's been, they've, they've nosedived, really. I mean, it's the first time in their entire history, as far as I can make out, that they've lost six games at home in a season before Christmas, uh, which is, when you're talking about 145 years of a club's history, that that is pretty extraordinary whatever the mitigation behind it yeah and just finally then team news you mentioned it before Rashford and Martial ill not training today Uh, I mean there'll be a few jokes about how that's not really going to affect United but at a time when they need but to if one of our colleagues said goals, it was a, a team news boost yes, they, they yes. <laughs> it's you know in, in a way it's, it kind of comes at a bad time because they've got to win this game they might have to chase a winner yeah. chase goals late on and suddenly oh, I mean the only attacking sub might be Kondo Palestri or Hannibal or Joe Hugel like Joe Hugel I mean, it, it leaves them very short of options off the bench to, to try and change this game, doesn't it? Well, Donny van der Beek was training today and he can't, can't play. play. He's, he's cup-tied and I think that's maybe the first time I've seen him in a training session ahead of a Champions League game. Done one with or two two has he done one or two? Yeah, right. he has, yeah. Um, but sometimes, th- there have certainly been a couple of occasions this season where he's not been present yeah. for them because there's no chance of him playing, but maybe, I mean, God forbid, if he was to start Anfield ahead of... Um, in, in the in the place yeah, of Fernandez, who of course is, is suspended for that game, but Hugo wasn't even training with the group today. You can see a scenario where, a little bit like in Munich, where they had three goalkeepers on the bench. I mean, there were five goalkeepers yeah. training um, today, which was on the, the pitch separate to where the outfield players were um, doing their their pressing exercise. And Rashford during his worst season, he still he was thrown on in a game. West Ham in January and he got the winning goal and a player who played a big role in that move as well was Marshall yeah. who the previous week Ralph Rangnick had accused him of not wanting of, of asking not to be included yeah. in the squad at Aston Villa so even when these players these forwards seem to be at their absolute low at the club this is that's the beauty of football it's so unpredictable that they can actually be given an opportunity and, and do something so it, it would be better to have them them to not have them and you you always have to be mindful of that I mean Bayern Munich don't have the 
deepest of squads in terms of quality. I mean, I think their alternative striker to Kane is um, Chupo Moting, who has got an amazing agent, having gone from Stoke, where he only seemed to score against Manchester United, to PSG and then to Bayern Munich. But he clearly feels yeah, he does a job in the Bundesliga, and it's it's easier being playing second fiddle to Robert Lewandowski or or Harry Kane. Um, but United don't have that luxury. They've, in fairness, in, in the Champions League, they've not struggled for goals. They've they've got twelve goals in in five games. The trouble is they've conceded fourteen yeah. goals. But goal scoring in general, it's just been a huge, huge problem for them this season. And I think most of us on the tour in the summer, we we envisaged it as well, just because of the the identity of their striker signing, how callow Hoyland is. That said. There is there is potential there, but potential when you're at Man United and people are expecting you to move up the table from finishing third last season and to do a bit more than win the League Cup. That that is unforgiving in yeah. itself. And so if things are going even back, going worse, and yeah, they've gone very badly so far, you're you're on a sticky wicket. But in fairness, it was it was highlighted I think, by Ian Wright on match of the day at the weekend. I think he dug out Dallow for that smacking the ball on the side now I didn't realise how bad it was at the yeah, time but looking yeah, at the replay it was appalling and in fairness to, to Marshall in, in Istanbul there was another one where Dallo somehow didn't pick him out where Marshall made the near post run he didn't get the ball and somehow Galatasaray gave Palistri that chance and, and he didn't take it either so it's it's going to be one of those nights that if they if they are to win United it wouldn't surprise me if it's another one of these unlikely scorers it, it, it could it could take that and it Unfortunately for them, it still might not be enough. Uh, but, but selfishly speaking, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that they're either finish second or, or finish fourth. Just because I think we're all sick and tired of, of the Europa League, even though it has the carrot of you, know, you can win a trophy, you can yeah. get into the Champions League. It, it doesn't stir the soul quite like the Champions League anthem. No, it doesn't. But it might be needed for Champions League qualification Revenue, the way this Premier yes. League season is going, as well as the money. Um, right, that's all for this edition of the Manchester Red Podcast. We'll be back in the studio on Friday to look back on the Bayern game and preview the Liverpool game. Hopefully, we'll have something positive to talk about. Uh, in the meantime, please leave us a five-star review. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast, and we'll speak to you again on Friday.